Welcome to the It Is Written podcast. As doubts about God's will arise, the world resorts to feelings and experts. We go to the law and to the testimony of God's word. In today's episode, we are going to take a look at King Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, and the grandson of David. Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes, talks a lot about the futility, the vanity, the frustrations of life. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, one of the factors that he talks about is what he's going to have to leave all of his estate to. Would you read uh, chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, Chase? Sure, yeah. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 18. I hated all my work that I labored at under the sun, because I must leave it to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool? Yet he will take over all my work that I labored at skillfully under the sun. This too is futile. Here you work hard, you use wisdom, you, you put yourself into it, and you amass a fortune, and then you leave it to somebody who hasn't worked for it, yeah. who won't appreciate it like you did, and probably won't use it like you did. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's one of the things Solomon observed in his lifetime, and it's kind of ironic what happens with what Solomon had built up. In Second Chronicles chapter 9, it is amazing the wealth of Solomon. For example, in verse 20, all his drinking vessels were of gold. Silver wasn't even considered valuable in those days. In fact, in verse 27, silver was as common as stones in Jerusalem. That's an amazing degree of uh, wealth. He had so much gold, he had to put the leftovers into some ornamental shields he put on the wall for decoration. Yeah. It's a lot of gold. Yeah, and gold doesn't make a good shield, so that's the only thing you could do with it. (laughs) You're exactly right, yes, indeed. So Solomon was hardly cold in his grave before his whole glorious kingdom fell apart. We're going to look at that a little bit uh, this morning. In chapter 10 and verse 1, Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. Now, Rehoboam had the idea he was just coming to celebrate and be his crowning. Mm -hmm. The people, though, that came there came to negotiate. Solomon had been very hard on them in terms of the labor force and taxation, and they're demanding some concessions. They're giving Rehoboam almost an ultimatum. If he's going to have their loyalty... They need to have an easier load. Mm -hmm. And Rehoboam wisely asked for some time in verse 5, three days to think it over and to get advice. That's a good idea in general. And Rehoboam does get advice. He gets advice from the older men who had served Solomon, and they say to listen to the people, and they'll serve you and love you. Yeah, Isn't that interesting that it's Solomon's advisors who say that, and Solomon was the one being hard on them? Yes, you're right. And, And then he talks to some of the young people that had grown up with him, and their idea is, get tough. Yes. You know, if you placate the people, that'll just show weakness. You need to be a hardliner. You need to be a bully. And that made Rehoboam feel big. He liked that advice. And so his studied response proved to be no wiser than if he'd given an answer right then. He says in verse 14 of chapter 10, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to it. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. You know, you would think that the son of the wisest man in the world would have some benefits in the common sense department, but he didn't seem to. No. And uh, so the people, they're not going to put up with this. They they decide to secede from the Union. Ten of the twelve tribes make their own country. They're not going to listen to Rehoboam. Rehoboam is slow to get the hint. You know, he, he sends the man who had been in charge of the forced labor under his father Solomon, Hadoram, up to Israel to get their, their draftees, get the people, the laborers that he was wanting to get. That was really foolish. 
because he was one of the most hated figures in the land. And they stoned him and nearly lynched uh, Rehoboam himself. He barely got out of there with his life. He's just continuing to go in this hardline stance. He's going to walk the talk. Nobody's going to push him around. And so in chapter 11 and verse 1, he gets the warriors together. He's going to go fight those 10 tribes and get them back. And for the first time, he actually listens to somebody worthwhile. Shemaiah, the prophet, tells him not to do that. And he listens and doesn't. But the result has been just a disastrous situation. He's, he's lose, has lost 10 of the 12 tribes, and he loses a whole lot more. If we look back at 1 Kings chapter 14, we see a lot of what happened in, in uh, Rehoboam's day. Not only did he lose a lot from a material standpoint, but he lost his relationship with God. Would you read uh, verses 22 to 24 of chapter sure. 14? Yeah. Judah did what was evil in the Lord's sight, and they provoked him to jealous anger more than all that their ancestors had done with the sins they committed. They also built for themselves high places, sacred pillars, and Asherah poles on every high hill and under every green tree. And there were even male cult prostitutes in the land, and they imitated all the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had dispossessed before the Israelites. What a shame. What a mess. You know, there's hardly any form of false worship that Rehoboam fails to practice. Yeah. He's just as bad as you can get, doing all sorts of things that are wrong, losing the credibility that Solomon had had. Back in Second uh, Chronicles 12, it says that Rehoboam, when he was established and strong, forsook the law of the Lord. And then in verse 5, it says, You have forsaken me, since I have forsaken you to Shishak, the Pharaoh of Egypt. It's interesting that when he forsook the law of the Lord, God saw him as forsaking the Lord himself. Mm -hmm. You forsake what God says, you're forsaking God, and that's exactly what he did. As a result of that, in 1 Kings 14, Shishak, the Pharaoh of Egypt, came up and took away all his treasures. Would you read verses 25 to 27 of 1 Kings 14? Sure. In the fifth year of King Rehoboam, King Shishak of Egypt went to war against Jerusalem. He seized the treasuries of the Lord's temple and the treasuries of the royal palace, and he took everything. He took all the gold shields that Solomon had made, and King Rehoboam made bronze shields to replace them and committed them into the care of the captain of the guards who protected the entrance of the king's palace. And whenever the king entered the Lord's temple, the guards would carry the shields. Then they would take them back to the armory. So Shishak and the multi-ethnic African coalition ended the golden age of Solomon. They took all the gold shields, they took all the gold, and Rehoboam was forced to replace them with bronze shields. Yeah. You know, bronze wasn't even considered in the inventory of precious metals back in <laughs> Solomon's day. Right. Now that's all he's got to work with. And it just shows you what a, what a tragedy it was that Rehoboam did not respect the Lord. Yeah. He lost everything Solomon had gained, almost all the tribes, the wealth, the power, and it's just, it's just really discouraging to see that. In Second Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 14, it says he did evil because he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's all a matter of his heart. His heart wasn't set to seek the Lord. It was prideful. It was self-willed. Yes. He forsook the Lord's law. He forsook the Lord. He worshipped all the idols. It, it was just a disaster. Yeah, it really is. So... Kind of carrying that over to the New Testament, thinking about our walk with God. Now, how does pride play into how we read the Bible? 
Well, if we're prideful, we find our what we want. We we decide we're going to do what we please, and we we interpret the scriptures to try to allow that. Yeah. If we're humble, we listen to God and submit to it. Yeah. And sometimes we pull that same tactic that Rehoboam did, where we're just going to all these other counselors and we're just trying to find someone who's saying something that already lines up with what I want to do. What we wish that we readily believe. Yes. And that's so true. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so exactly what you read or what we read in Ecclesiastes chapter two came true for Solomon. Exactly. He left it to a fool and who squandered it almost immediately. Yes. It is so sad to see that happen. Um, but it, it happens today. You see that in generations now, even uh, people who accumulate so much and then the next generation just loses it. Um, and so I think this is a helpful story for me, Gary. I appreciate you going through it. There's one redeeming quality of Rehoboam that we ought to mention. In Second Chronicles chapter 12, Rehoboam did at one point when, when Shishak was persecuting them, he humbled himself. In verse 6, the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves and said, The Lord is righteous. And when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah saying, they have humbled themselves, so I will not destroy them. It's what kept him from being totally wiped out by the Pharaoh. And in verse 12, it says, when he humbled himself, the anger of the Lord turned away from him so as not to destroy him completely. God would have destroyed him completely if he hadn't done that. That's the thing we need to do. Some of us have been prideful. Some of us have been self-willed. Some of us have done things that defy the Lord. We need to humble ourselves. We need to submit to the Lord. We need to listen to him and decide we're going to do what he says. And, and he will keep, keep from destroying us completely. And isn't it amazing how pride can so quickly come on us and just destroy everything that was built up? I think about Saul and then David and then Solomon. Three generations of kings who had all each of them, their ups and downs. But they kept the kingdom united, and it took Rehoboam, what, less than five years to just bring it all crashing down? Yes, it's, it's, it, is, it is a shame, and it just shows you the heart that's not dedicated to the Lord. Yes. So we need to not follow Rehoboam except when he humbled himself. That's the, the lesson, humble ourselves and avoid the pride. Thank you for listening to the It Is Written podcast. If you have any questions or comments that you would like to share with us, feel free to send Gary an email at garyfisher1063 at gmail.com. We hope you have a blessed day.